Welcome to Sober Dad Crew, the podcast where we talk about all things dad, sobriety, recovery, parenting, music, tattoos, and more. For more information or to get in touch, visit SoberDadCrew.com. My guest this episode is my friend Noah Johnson. We're really just a couple of regular sober dads. In this episode, we talk about mental health, sobriety, vinyl records, and we kick things off talking about facial hair in Movember. I hope you enjoy the episode. Oh, no mustache. No, it always comes off uh, Always comes off at the end of November. I do that fundraising campaign every November. And as soon as that's done, I, I, start, I hit a restart button. So. You do a solid mustache. I did the mustache one year. Very creepy. Very yeah. like, no. My daughter's like... <laughs> well, so I've I've done that. I've done this was my fifth year doing it, and I always like I shave all the beard off first, and then like I usually start with like a mustache here, and then like I try to find that sweet spot like the first couple days, and I always leave um, a little bit of like the five o'clock shadow first. Takes um, the creepy edge off of it. Yeah, and I never know like what year it's gonna be where like I shave my beard and I don't have a chin anymore. So <laughs> I'm always yeah. nervous of what's underneath there. Like yeah, uh, someday it will come. Sixty-five days, uh, you know, rotate. So yeah, that's that's what happens when we're yeah. aging. Like For our sure. eyes, you know, gonna get baggy, saggy. twenty yeah. chins. And- yeah, so I I brace myself, and this year I learned because even my older two kids they get a little shocked when I do it. But having a, a a one and a half year old, the last year was a little bit of a meltdown. So I had everyone in the bathroom with me as I was shaving, so they like saw it in the process, right? And it went over really well, except for the baby kept on baby Paul kept on grabbing like clumps of hair and. Trying to like push it up, put to him my back face. on. No, Daddy, yeah. no. Didn't really work too well. So. Yeah, he needed glue to go with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some of that face uh, gorilla glue. Well, you got the baby, and how how many other kids do you have? So I uh, we have a total of three boys. We have um, James, who is the oldest. He's ten. He will be uh, eleven on New Year's Eve. And then Hank is right behind him, and he just turned nine in uh, September. And then our COVID baby, Paul, um, the next baby boom, he is just shot. He'll be two years old in March. So I have COVID stepkids. It's not like exactly the same, but (laughs) that's a faster process. It's a faster process and a slower process. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I have the range, you know, I've got. Six, almost 11, 15, and 19. Wow. All yeah, over the spread. Stuff. And I was like, wow, I've almost been a parent for 20 years, which is kind of a yeah. trip. Yeah, I can't believe I am going to be, uh, you know, on New Year's Eve is, is it'll be you know, 11 years and it's like flown by. It's I remember un- my, yeah. my dad telling me that you don't, you don't realize how fast time goes by once you become a parent. And when I wasn't a parent, I was like, Oh yeah, whatever. And then it couldn't have been more true. Each each month feels like a day. So warp speed. Like 20 years, like a second. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, this this go around, it's because there's, uh, you know, an eight year gap between our middle child and our youngest. It I just seeing what we've learned as parents in the last uh, this go around. It's unbelievable. Like looking back and thinking how much we were just winging it for, yeah. for the first two. And and they ended up really well. And we're like, all right, we actually know what we're doing this go around. And, you know, I felt that too, figuring out like how that really investment of deep emotion and time early on, you don't always see the results of that until like later. Right. And especially looking at teenagers, you're like, oh, right. You don't just magically get a good relationship. Right. Yeah. It takes a lot of years, like years in the making. Did you always want to be a dad? Uh, no, I, I actually, I always, uh, enjoyed being around kids, but I never envisioned myself of having children. And I always say, I never knew I wanted to be a dad until the day I found out I was going to be a dad. So (laughs) that was a very big transition year for me that year. Not, not just because I was becoming a father, but I almost had this subconscious clock, you know, ticking down, like I have to get x amount of things out of my system before (laughs) before like a month or six weeks in advance so it was a a very a year full of change and in the blink of an eye it's been 11 years past that so yeah yeah i'm trying we met i think in both previous jobs for both of us and i don't even remember when it kind of came out that we were both sober it just sort of came out in conversation at one point and that was that before um, your kids or after your kids or uh, it was it was in the middle. Yeah, I think I can't I don't think I don't think you and I like even had like an official conversation. I think we talked work wise um, numerous times. And then with each each conversation, it got a little more, you know, kind of just lax and more personal than professional. And yeah, I don't know. I'm I really don't talk a lot about it that much. There was certain people in my life that I definitely knew I was I needed to tell or they were a part of that that change in my life. There's certain things other than not drinking alcohol that I do diet wise that I I'm not a soapbox type of person. Yeah, yeah. So I not, you know, that's like the, the third or fourth thing in my arsenal when I'm having a conversation <laughs> with somebody. But then you meet somebody and I mean this just shows how we all deal with it differently. You meet some people and that's the first thing that they they say or the second thing they say after, you know, introducing their name. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I can respect as well. So And you were like a just stop kind of guy, right? You didn't program I mean, or no, I never took a program. Things in my life that I knew if I didn't stop drinking, that I probably wouldn't be able to back out of it. It had become such a norm in my life, uh, in my drinking rotation or habits that it it didn't. It wasn't like I had to check myself in somewhere. It was more of like, okay, I know where I'm headed and I don't like the person I am or the person that I am when I'm heading in that direction. And then with a lot of other things in my life, I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to try not doing it for a month. And I remember within the first seven to 10 days, how well I felt, how well I slept. And I was like, almost speaking of addiction, addicted to that feeling 
I did the same thing about 12 years ago or 11 years ago when it came to, you know, different different arenas. But when it came to my diet, I stopped drinking or I stopped eating meat. Same thing. I was going to do it for 30 days, see how I felt. And I never had the intention of being a vegetarian for the rest of my life. Never was like, hey, you know, you got to do this because the animals got to do this because the environment, you know, X, Y and Z. I did it for a month and it was I loved the results from it and I never went back and it was not my plan. And the only thing I ever planned to stop doing was smoking cigarettes. And that was one mm-hmm. of the things I referred to earlier is that when the last cigarette I had was the day of my first child's birth or the night before that morning, but did like a hard stop on that. So there's there's some parallels with other areas of my life where, you know, I, I liked the outcome and then I just stopped. But the only thing different is with alcohol, I, in certain times of my life, I never my, envisioned my life without alcohol, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't like to excess. I love there, you know, I think we all go through it, but I loved that finding a new beer or like right. coming up, tasting something new or the, the newest concept. I mean, I worked in the bar system for a while. Um, I, I, I liked that atmosphere and that, so you know, I'm a social person to begin with, I felt comfortable in that scenario. And I was, I just, I never saw my, my life personally and even professionally working in the hospitality industry without alcohol in it. It's, a, it's such a norm. It's such just part of that style of life, you know? <laughs> so Yeah. Did you have like, I had like an epiphany moment. I was just like one night, second or third glass of wine, and I was had this moment. It's sort of what you said is, oh, I don't like this person, so it's just time to stop. And that's why I was like, this is not the right path that I'm on. Yeah. It's not healthy for me. It's not like healthy for my kids. Right. And I, and I stopped. Yeah, I mean, mine's a little bit different, to be completely transparent. There was a business trip I got back from. And I drank the majority of the way back in airports and in the plane and then had to drive from the airport, which was in Cleveland, Ohio, all the way down to Mansfield, Ohio, which is about 90 90 miles away. And I remember waking up the next morning and thinking I was still in Chicago. A fine city. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I was like in my, you know, in my hotel room and my wife was at the edge of the bed and I, she said something along the lines of, if you ever do this again, cause I, I came home stumbling through the door. She said, if you ever do this again, me and the kids are leaving and I did it again and it didn't happen. So I was not, not to take anything away from my wife, but I, I challenged that and even that kind of stuff, it, 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 as selfish as it sounds, uh, it didn't click like, oh, you know, they would leave. And, you know, it happened, you know, maybe one or two other times over. But it wasn't until it was within that same year. It wasn't until a couple months down the road where something clicked inside of me. And, you know, I could have threats or I could have stipulations. But if it wasn't internal, and one day it was like, if, if I don't, if it's, not just me, it's my entire family. If if I don't stop, then I'm going to end up in a, uh, an environment I can't get out of. I'm yeah. of also personality-wise, I am a, a, like an all-or-nothing type of person. Um, when it came to drinking, I I could have one at home, 
But when I, when I wanted to drink, I was going to make it worth it. And I never became like, you know, one of those angry drunks or let's drive to this town. I just, I was addicted to the social aspect of it as well. I just love that, that conversation with a best friend or a conversation with, you know, a total stranger and talking for three hours about whatever that's was equally alluring to me than the way I felt when I was drinking alcohol. So. And, you know, and part of that is we chat about this, I think, outside the grocery store one day. And we're talking about work because we both go to conferences for work. Yeah. And they, there's a real alcohol component at so many conferences. Definitely. And to historically, like the bar is there. People go out. It's really yep. like tied into that. And so then it's interesting to become the person or be the person at those conferences is making a different choice. And I've had, you know, varying yeah. reactions. I've worked with people who are like really suspicious of that, I think, because right. it reflects something back at them that they, they don't want to see. And people yeah. who are like, oh, that's cool, whatever. I mean, working in the hospitality industry and having it be on the road, um, and a lot of the times when we are on the road are either for, you know, conventions like what you were stating, but also the install or the, you know, the, the almost to the where the grand opening of a hotel or a restaurant is. And it's a very celebratory atmosphere. And most hotels and restaurants have a ton of alcohol. In them. So usually doesn't matter if it's breakfast, you know, it's going to be bottomless mimosas and bottomless, you know, Bloody Marys, or if it's a lunch cocktail or a full bar at dinner. So it's, it's very prevalent. And it's almost kind of the lifeblood of the hospitality industry. It's all about access. It's all about, you know, meeting as many people as possible, feeling as comfortable as possible, trying to sell a product or, you know, get in with the with the next crowd or whatever. So uh yeah, alcohol is a is a very heavy theme. And I even I remember the first time I did something work wise after I had gone through a, a stretch of time without drinking when you know, it's been four years. It was four years in July, so about four and a half years ago. But I remember the first full on on work trip that I took, and I was like, "Okay, what's this going to look like?" And it, the thing that has worked for me is it's not. I don't have, feel the need to tell people, but I also don't want to be that person ordering like a, a mocktail and acting like I am drinking. So I usually just get a glass of water or a coffee. <laughs> but if I have something in my hand, that's my Linus blanket. That works for me 98 out of 100 times with that 2% of some like, hey, you need a drink? And I go, no, I'm okay. And, oh, you're not drinking tonight? I'm like, no, that's okay. And they're like, do you not drink at all? And that's where the conversation Yeah, <laughs> right. Because some people do ask or some people take the no thank you. And some people are really like, no, no, really, really. And I'm like, right. no, really, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. And then sometimes but, you just have to say, like, look, I'm I'm sober. And, yeah. You know, and I've found I've really started to be open at work too, because I think uh -huh. it's a, it's an important thing to share that people have stories and people have struggles and like you get through them and it's it's not a bad thing to 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 share that with coworkers because we're just all we're all people, you know, trying to like get through the day, do a yeah, good definitely. job. So a lot of my episodes so far have been pretty heavy. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, because one of your other jobs is at Angry Mom Records, which is a store that takes much of my disposable income. Uh <laughs> oh, by the way, I was saving this for later, but 
you have a gift certificate for twenty five dollars down there from. Uh, I'm guessing it's a either a it's birthday my brother. or Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> my birthday. My birthday was yesterday. So yeah, I got a note two of, big well, ones. Ha- yeah, happy belated birthday. Thank I, you. I got a notification um, on my phone through our online portal that that was purchased, and I actually personally wrote it out today. Well, there so. you go. I will. I will be by to get my my brothers are very much like. What do you want for your birthday? And I was like, right. just call Angry Mom because I will definitely up. utilize that. It's a it's a funny side note, real quick, because I know I know you have some things lined up to ask, but I always am asked what I want for my birthday or Christmas, and I always say, just get me a vinyl record. And I've never received a vinyl record for a gift from like a family member, coworkers, yes, but not. Yeah. <laughs> They yeah. always blow, and they always say i never know what you have so <laughs> i did export like my music buddy list to show people yeah. which also has like the want list some of those yeah. wants are not like reasonable easy right. finds like wilco's kicking television on vinyl right. is not an easy thing to find for a reasonable amount of money um, yes <laughs> But people usually get me some kind of record. And some people like my brother's like, just tell me specifically what you want. And I don't want to like send an Amazon.com link. Right. Because um, yeah. side note to the to the listeners, half the time the records come damaged if you order them through Amazon. They really do. I literally have had Amazon just put a sticker on like right on the thing and not even put it and it was i remember i ordered david bowie's black star when it came yeah. out as like a birthday present which is an incredible album and like a like a beautiful album. oh definitely it's really incredible and then literally, that yeah star. yeah and they literally just slapped the mailing label on the the shrink wrap and stuck yeah. in the mail so it just came totally destroyed yeah a lot of people don't you know and we get we do a lot of online sales which i'm heavily a part of when it comes to like prepping the orders and sending them not just in the united states but in in all the world our user rating is is 99.5 percent and we are highly approved in the quantity or quality and quantity for that matter but we do, we have an uh, individual by the name of Seven that works down there. And he's been packing records for, I think, 11 to 12 years now, maybe even more. And our, none of them show up damaged. And he, we have like special mailers for LPs that you put them in. But yeah. his, his technique with, he always sandwiches them between two other vinyl record sleeves with no other records yep. in them so they're kind of like sandwiched in and then the way he tapes it it they all show up in perfect condition i mean that's by far the highest compliment compliment we get on our feedback on a daily basis is how well our product is is uh packaged so because it is such a bummer to yeah, be uh, like yeah excited. when you finally get it yeah yeah i mean, or, I just, I mean even when you get it and like the corner is nuts you know and you're just like oh yeah like, like i'm gonna put that thing in a plastic <laughs> sleeve and the like the corner is not i mean i just got an album from brussels that i, I couldn't get in the u.s and yeah it just arrived today it took a long time but it came a hundred percent in good shape that's awesome and which is awesome they, they have, they're called they're called whiplashes do, do you have you ever seen like them not uh folded up or wrapped in a package 
No, this had like, it wasn't, it seemed like it was corrugated, but with almost some air pockets in it or something. Yeah. So like cardboard cut inside of it that almost like holds it. Like, yeah. Like the size of, you know, just above 12 inches. And then there's that, the outer part, it's called a whiplash. It like folds around and then you tape it and it is corrugated in certain areas. So, but yeah, they, they do the job, but just takes a little more effort. Yeah, but it's better to make people happy. Though you could, you know, you got that 0.5%. I mean, you guys could like work on that. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're in the midst of work. <laughs> like, I'd be like telling your kid, yeah, it's a great that 99 is good at school, but you really yeah. got to like study more. Yeah. That it's that, that 0.5% that are just looking to complain about anything. <laughs> I mean, that's a, but that's a, an amazing thing on its own if that's your percentage. Right. There's usually a much higher percentage of people who just want to complain about stuff. Yeah. So if yeah. that's like what you're getting, that's that's pretty good. Right. Because, you know, exactly. there are some fickle buyers of vinyl records in the world. Yes, very. And, and, and just, you know, most of it is justified. But there's a lot of people that they want that pristine, you know, VG Mint Plus. So or VG Plus Mint. Well, let's jump into some other stuff. So it's the holiday season. Do you yeah. have a favorite Christmas song? Oh, definitely. Ray Charles' Christmas Time. It's actually featured in the National Lampoon's movie. Mm-hmm. And Chevy Chase, there's a scene where he goes up into the attic to get something or shut something, and he gets locked in there. And the family leaves without him, and he ends up watching like reel-to-reel <laughs> films of, of his childhood, and that song chimes in. So, and it's funny that you bring this up because there's a a great story that just happened to me on Friday is that, as you mentioned, I work at Angry Mom Records and I used to be a customer there even when I didn't live in New York, when I still lived in Ohio. It's always a destination spot when we would come visit Ithaca. That that was a spot we always went into and now I work there. But even as a customer, I have been searching for that record. And I think it was in nine. It was released in 1985, and it went out of print very quickly. And they never remastered, or never uh, reprinted it. And it just so happens that they remastered it and are releasing it this season. And I was looking to finally get it, but one of my coworkers, Adam, who works at the shop as an early holiday Christmas present found an original copy i believe on either ebay or discogs and he handed it to me on friday so nice i got to listen to it saturday morning on vinyl in person for the first time not through the tv or streaming it and it was everything i wanted it to be so and a good story and sort of you know that's the key of music right is like there's a story behind it 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 touches you it hits you in a way oh yeah you know, because yeah. it's really more than like the Chevy Chase movie, right? It's like the oh, song and the emotions yeah, the, and like I mean, song, I like me a like sad the, Christmas song. No, it, it's 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 very I mean, it it reminds me of like watching movies, especially Christmas movies around this time. I'm a huge holiday freak, like the gaudiness of it all. <laughs> Usually not my style, but there's some and especially having kids that like elevated that even more but always been a fan of holiday and Christmas music. But yeah, the beginning of that song is like a low guitar with a keyboard. And as soon as you hear it, like 
I'm in the mood. I'm it, it, right in that holiday spirit immediately. So have you heard it before? I did because I think I saw on Instagram that you put a picture of that up. Yeah. And so yeah. then I went on to one of those <laughs> online services that we yeah. were going to and, and put because I have like a 150 song Christmas playlist that oh. I've been curating over the years. So that got added yeah. to it because I was like, so what's, oh, what's your really favorite good. Christmas song? I mean, I think in general, like I'll be home for Christmas. Okay. I love, I like sad songs, but also I really yeah. love Lowe's Just Like Christmas is like a oh, more okay. contemporary yeah. um, holiday song. Well, I um, love it because it seems like some of the like indie bands, like a, like a two-sided, you know, seven inch of like a quick Christmas song that they press. Like I know uh, the Felice brothers who are out of uh, upstate New York. They released a couple of years ago just a, a seven inch AB of two Christmas songs that are not on any other album of theirs. Never have heard them perform any of it live, but it it I I love that theme, especially it not being a pop artist doing it anymore, but more yeah. of like a, an indie uh, indie rock kind of approach to to Christmas music. So yeah, I, there's I'm like about that. bad religion has God rest you merry yeah. gentlemen, which yeah, I just think is super, right super funny, right? Because like yeah. he is the ultimate atheist in the yeah. world. And then they're they're doing he's that song. Here he is time. local, yeah. 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 He's, I think he teaches at Cornell. So he's yeah, I I think they don't live right in Ithaca, but yeah, they're local. So you like bump into them at Wagmans. Right. Yeah. So this I think 2022 has been a pretty awesome year for music. There's a yeah. t- some years and this seems like one of them is just a ton of stuff that I that I love. Did anything really like jump out to you this year that you just kind of can't stop listening um, to? You know what? It, not as much as new music. There was a lot of stuff that was re-released that I got introduced to, but when it comes to new stuff that usually I would not this would not be on my radar, but I fell into it. The new Black Midi album was all over the place, loud and crazy good, which I was very shocked by. And then Black Black Country New Road, their new one that came out like right in the beginning of the year. And then I think the same week it got released, they announced that the lead singer like left the band due to mental health issues and some other things. So I picked that up and heavily on rotation this year out of it is the, an interesting the, record it is like very the instrumentation and that's not usually my style and i got i got the the deluxe version that came with i believe it's the entire new album but played live as well i think they almost i think they do it like in order of the track list if i remember correctly but yeah it's just it's not usually my my go-to genre but both of those albums, there's a lot of similarities to them, but different approaches. But then I got, I don't know, I fell into this, like a lot of new reissues of like late nineties, early two thousands hip hop. And I mean, I've always enjoyed hip hop and rap and, you know, mid nineties is usually like where I fall into it, but there was just some, I think it was, I think it was a DJ first, but a rapper by the name of Edon. And rarely in the muse in in the in the shop do we all buy a record. Mm-hmm. Like 
there's there's six of us and usually you know three of us will like it three of us won't <laughs> or one in five you know two and four but this one that there this it's it he used all psych samples in the beats and they're just it's one of the best albums I've I've heard in a very long time, and I think that was from like the early two thousands. It's called Beauty and the Beat, and I, I think I just read something about him. Yeah, I think I mean, and that's another thing is he came out with a couple other records, and we all visited him after that, and it just it wasn't there. It was like everything came out correctly in this in mm-hmm. this record. So yeah, I'm trying to think anything anything else. I I fell into a big MF Doom. Re, you know, revisiting. Oh, another new album that came out this year is the Danger Mouse uh, Black mm, Thought Cheat Codes album. Uh, probably in my, I mean, I know Kendrick Lamar <laughs> re- released a new album, but probably my favorite hip hop album of this year and maybe in the last three years. The album I got also came with a CD, which we actually have a CD player still in one of our uh, vehicles. And Every time we're in the car, as a family, or if I'm in the Jeep by myself, I listen to that album at least one of the directions I'm going in that day. It's close to perfection, in my mm-hmm. point, uh, point yeah. of view. No, that's a great one. And I'm not a, like a huge hip-hop listener, but my 19-year-old son, like, he is. Yes. And, and the more contemporary stuff. So, like, you know, come holiday time, I'll buy him something but i'll take him back you know like oh, yeah. you really need the first public enemy album you like 100 right. yeah. <laughs> have to have this or i mean for me one of the things that came out this year was prince and the revolution the live at syracuse yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> mind, mind blown and i like got two copies and i just i like gave that to him and i was like That's you, know, awesome. you must know this <laughs> yeah for what you like to listen to right comes from here exactly. and, and i know people around here that were at that show it was like right. the last yeah. show right the last show yeah, we had show 99 we had of that tour being like i was at that show yeah <laughs> like the people who are my at that show were like 15 when they were there it's like oh yeah i was not like i saw some great shows when i was a teenager but not prince yes definitely <laughs> i mean that would have been pretty incredible because i think I think maybe Purple Rain was one of the first albums I bought for myself. I think I was in sixth grade. And now did you buy that on vinyl or it was cassette? Cassette. Yeah. I kind of went like trying to think. I I remember the first CD I ever bought was Corn's Follow the Leader. (laughs) And I remember like my brother used to let me listen to his CDs. And then I remember that was the first one that like I spent my own money. I remember the first, uh, first CD he ever bought me was Fuji's The Score. I mean, um, I, yeah. I still have that. <laughs> that is an incredible record. So oh, that's not sure. a bad one. Yeah, I kind of grew up in like a NPR classical music house, but my parents did have records and they had... The very memorable when you're a young person, like Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass album with like the whipped cream situation. Oh, yeah, I Um, remember that. Yeah, and they had like some Beatles and some like Dave Brubeck stuff. My mom actually had some very cool Brubeck colored vinyl things that when they ended up moving at one point, I was like, 
where'd those go? They're like, oh, we sold them. And I was like, oh, you're breaking my heart because they were well, incredible. At least they didn't just throw them away. No, like they, you know, they had one of those people come through, you know, grab stuff. And those probably sold for a lot because they're super cool live right. albums. But, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's especially the last three years where vinyl has just taken off again. I mean, it it is hilarious that something like this did come back around. The first house I bought came it was a estate sale, and it had three working vinyl record players, and one being a console, and then two of the more kind of suitcase traveler ones. I got into vinyl records because why one of my buddies and I back in my hometown, his dad used to run storage units, and every quarter they would. They or every six months or so, they would auction off people's units that hadn't paid for a certain amount of time. And it wasn't like the that show on TV right. where a bunch of people are there. It was pretty much like they had a day and you walked past it and you offered an amount of money. And we bought 50,000 records for $900 and had no idea what we were doing. We just were like, hey, we can probably make money off of this. And within a short amount of time, all those records were in my basement. (laughs) And long story short, you know, after we found out we were having our second child, my wife was like, you got to get these out of our basement because I can barely make it to our floor. That's a lot of records. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we kept, we, you know, the night before we ended up selling them, we piece parted them for about a year and a half made you know all of our profit back very quickly and then sold the rest you know in a lot to a couple guys you know half a state away that's what started me getting back into it and listening to it and then i got some of my my dad's records cuz his sister lives in the house they grew they grew up in and, and his his records were still in the basement so i got that like foundation you know rolling stones beatles Beach Boys, things like that. And then when they started, you know, kind of gung ho on pressing new music into vinyl, I was completely sold. I mean, I just, you talk about addictions, that's something I'm definitely addicted to. I go home every single night that I'm in the shop with at least one record. So (laughs) I don't see any end in sight either. (laughs) Well, and what I, you know, there's a lot of things I like about it. Of course, I grew up in a time of, cassettes and vinyl and cd but there's like an intent there was the going to the store like i remember i think it was rattle and hum and like my like my mom driving me to the store the day it was released and like listening for a week or something to the same thing like reading i've always read the liner notes like really reading And, and i'm a jazz listener too and liner notes are like so important in that world right there's like famous people who write those liner notes and there's so much to it. And I think there is something lost when it's just like, yeah, it's great. Like there's an album that came out this year by this woman, she goes by spring summer and it's an only Mm -hmm. digital release. And it's a really incredible album. And I can't buy it. Like I try and buy stuff by the little bands, you know, like that's one of my ways to try and help. You know, we live in Ithaca. We have a pretty good live music scene, but you can't see everything. But there's definitely some yep. small bands out there. And one way to help the ones you like out is to buy the records. Yeah, you know, no, definitely. You go buy, on, buy merch and uh, yeah. go to 
<laughs> yeah, go to shows. Shows are back. It's so weird. You know, there's like that weird gap of someone who goes to a lot of live shows. All of a sudden, like, no live yeah. shows. Was yeah. a strange period of time for me as someone who's like I've been to hundreds of shows. Right. And you're like, oh wait, I remember sitting in COVID. Yeah. And the last show I went to pre-COVID was Ockerville River at the Haunt. Oh wow. And I remember sitting in COVID and going, Oh, that that club is now torn down. Yeah. Right? There currently is no haunt in Ithaca. And so for folks right. who don't, you know, don't know the haunt and don't know Ithaca. It's a pretty storied little club, and it used to be a real hole-in-the-wall hole tiny place, but Nirvana came it, through there, Pearl yeah, came through there, all these the blues perfect, artists. Yeah. It was the perfect size. Uh, I mean, we talk about this a lot in what we're about to unveil, that Ithaca really lost that medium-sized venue. You know, you have the bar scene where you can pack in a certain amount of people, and then you have the state or the hangar theater and some acts just aren't big enough to fill that at this point. So, and, and it's, it's only open seasonally. So there's, there is a definitely a gap and the haunt filled that for, for quite a few, you know, decades. So hopefully something comes up soon. I think we have, might have something in our sleeves, but yeah, if you're, I'm, um, I'm looking, I see snippets <laughs> on, you know, social media I'm so yeah. excited for that. Get you guys out of the but, basement. Real quick to add about, uh, to add, because I, I agreed with everything you said about listening to vinyl. The thing I love the most about vinyl, and even before I got into vinyl, I never liked streaming music. And I still, I'm like one of the few people that I personally know. I have no Apple music. I have no Spotify. I don't get my lists at the end of the season or whatever of what I listen to. Um, but music was always a huge part. We didn't have TV growing up in my parents' household when they were, when they were still married. My parents are both in early childhood development. Uh, they were both professors and, and worked in child development, child psychology through universities. And we didn't have TV. So we listened to, to the radio and ran records every single night. But the thing I love the most about listening to records is it makes you listen to the entire thing. You know, I grew up in that generation with CDs where you could go to track four and I didn't have to fast forward to it. I can just go directly to it. But vinyl takes that next step or next step forward or backwards, however you view it, where you put it on that first side and you're listening to it all the way through and you're going to then flip it over or keep the one of the ways I listen to music. I listen to side A until I'm tired of it. And then I, it's mm -hmm. almost like a treat to see oh, what else is on the back of that. And then the, the, like you were talking about what comes with a vinyl, it's like an artifact. It's one of the most annoying things to store, but when you're listening to it and you have either a gatefold or, you know, an insert or, you know, art that comes with it, it's just, Oh my God. I'm and, and like, I don't know if you do this, but the smell of new vinyl, old vinyl, oh, yeah. it's addicting. Like it's, I don't know. I still want to find out if they like put something in there that just makes you addicted to buying it. It's like that <laughs> so, new car smell, but it's the new the new vinyl yeah. smell. <laughs> yeah, and we we all do. We all joke around at at the shop, and when it is a gatefold, and the first time you open it, it's almost like you're cracking a digit of your finger or like your pack. You're getting this like. Oh, like I can't believe I have this new vinyl. Let's dig into it. So, right. Cause, you know, speaking of impractical, like I moved in in June 
with my fiance and i was like yeah. oh man these records are like really heavy yeah like because I, I was like putting them in milk crates i'm like damn yeah right like they're one dead. at a time it's not bad but like 30 40 of these it's very heavy for sure and on just, average uh you know a, a one record i think is like one pound two ounces so then a lot of them you get the 180 gram or the double lp and they can be even heavier so that's why you guys at, at the store are so fit you just oh, like yeah. doing Weird. your reps on the vinyl just like just wait for our calendar to come out <laughs> <laughs> you could uh, yeah. i might buy that actually it'd be pretty incredible we would each get two months <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no, there's you, a lot, of, got, a lot yeah. of cool stuff happening at, at that place i'm really going from being a customer you know from out of state and then being a customer in state to uh, I actually I got close with them by starting their doing their social media two years ago, yeah. and that was that was the introduction. And then one day the owner was like, "Hey, can you?" Because I do marketing for for some other companies. He was like, "Can you uh, create a hiring ad?" And I was like, "Yeah." And so like I worked on it that night or the next day, and I was you know using color schemes and and seeing what would work best you know font wise, and then. I was like, wow, I think with my other ventures, I think I could do this. And, you know, I remember going home and telling my wife, like, I think I can pull this off or I, you know, I have my other job where I'm on the road and then I do some stuff from home with some other ventures. I was like, I think I can, I need this. Like I've always needed like a, 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 a time frame to be somewhere to keep my schedule going mm -hmm. kind of doing some of the work I do with other companies you know being site uh, subcontracted and, and working kind of at my own pace on other projects too much time on my hand is not good for me so three <laughs> no, kids isn't it, enough no it's not <laughs> if it was up to me we would have five kids so <laughs> I'm trying to rebuild the Cleveland Browns offensive line so you are a Cleveland Browns fan <laughs> Often Usually heartbroken. Right. Yes. Yeah, I'm used to it. I mean, I but grew yeah, up as a New you know, going, going from being a, a customer to now, like, actually working there and then being a part of this, this transition that we're literally uh, in the middle of. Uh, actually, uh, I can think this is the first time it's been said out loud outside of our four walls at the shop, but we are moving on December 11th to the second floor of the current building we're in. And we will be doubling our physical footprint. And then also we're hoping by spring of this year, unveiling an event center and or event uh, portion of our, of our store with a stage to host bands and that kind of mid range event, um, uh, spot. So we, we are on the precipice of something huge and hopefully, you know, everybody in this community will, will take part and, and be happy with it. Well, and what I like about that too, is I'm, I'm guessing it, those are going to be all age shows. Yeah. I, that's the one thing we, that we noticed, uh, a lot of, of, um, especially, you know, obviously in bars, they don't want people that are underage, but even in some of the non bar event spaces, it, a lot of it is 21 and older. We, we threw Ithaca underground. We threw a, a show probably like three months ago, two months ago. Uh, it all came about within a matter of two days. It was planned. Uh, maybe a maybe 
two or three days. So not a lot of promotion, but it was an all age show and the whole place was packed. I mean, you could, it was elbow to elbow and it was like on a Thursday night. So we we're like, okay, we need to, when we, when we officially start doing this, we need to make it all age shows. So there's a lot of people, you know, in that 18 to 21 or 20 age uh, that are just looking for something to do music wise in town and, and uh, in a safe place. So that's what yeah, we're, I mean, or, or we're younger. For. I mean, yeah. there was, I, you know, I grew up outside of Portland, Maine and there's this club called Zoots and they actually just, they had, there's a Facebook group, this Zoots alumni group and yeah. this guy owned it, Chris Clark. And what was amazing was he had a, one night every week was an all age alcohol free night. And he made yeah. that Friday night. Which oh, was like geez. incredible, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that to me, like, I don't know if I recognized that at the time, but like right. now as a, you know, grown human being, like I worked right. at the state theater, like I understand the economic side of like, you yep. know, slinging beers at shows. And yep. I was like, well, this is like really incredible that you yeah. know, your all ages night is a Friday. And, you know, most of the time it was dance stuff and like really, you know, totally dating myself but it was like you know mid 80s and just really yeah. incredible Equin the Bunnyman and the cure and like all these really great bands that i still listen to but i was like wow you did that on a friday night like you yeah, did that's, that's like a community service and yeah. the fact that they just i think it was last weekend did this reunion thing with him and it's you know totally sold out oh that's and awesome. like you know my friends that are still around portland they were, they were all there and like that was so much fun yeah because Ithaca's tough, I think, for teenagers. There's not always a ton going on. I mean, there's a ton going on that you shouldn't be involved in. Well, yeah, it's very. I think it's. I think. Well, obviously, with uh, the three colleges or two colleges and university, it's geared toward that age group because they're trying to cater to them because they spend the most amount of money. Or right. Their parents do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the our economy is very <laughs> built on that in these parts. Yeah, yeah for sure. It was like in COVID when the bars could do takeout drinks. It's like, wow, right. we're like really admitting yeah. <laughs> what what's like really happening culturally. You can do mixed drink takeout. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm I mean, I don't regret it, but I I didn't I didn't think uh when I quit drinking that that I was that would be an option where you could get to right. go. <laughs> or, uh, I, or in the South, there are like the drive walk out in the street, you know, with it. So I'm probably glad that, you know, I had stopped drinking. <laughs> yeah. It does seem like the notion of drinking and driving when you can do like takeout. Or I mean, there are some Southern yeah. states I've been in. Like, is that a drive through? in the back. Yeah. It's like a drive through alcohol situation. Yeah. That doesn't seem like the best. I remember the first time I noticed that in Knoxville and I, this was like pre Uber and our taxi driver was like, Hey, you want to stop and get drinks to go? And we we're like, what? Like we didn't even know that that was a thing, but so how long has it been since you have not drank? It'll be 13 years in February. And, and did you do a program? I did. I stopped, but I, what yeah. I did, what I did do was I did a lot of therapy because there was for me definitely like a mental health component of sort yeah. of self-medicating and I was getting a ton of migraines and just point I was, you know, married to my kid's mom 
And that was not in good shape. So the first episode of this, I sort of talk about that night and literally sort of feeling like, you know, my grandmother from whatever, I'm really not religious, but this notion of like my grandmother kind of like tapping me on the shoulder and be like, dude, like you were on the right wrong, you are going on the wrong path. And then looking, you know, it's sort of what you say, you look down that road and you're like, oh yeah, like further down that road, it's really not a good place. And just sort of turning around but i think for me like dealing with depression and other things that were going on and anxiety was like a key component of that so like i didn't do aa but i did you know have a therapist and work through a lot of stuff you know that's why i like you know what you do with movember um you know circling back to the beginning a little bit when we're talking about your excellent mustache <laughs> that has gone away but it could come yeah back. But, you know, back. you've done that for a long time and i think You've raised almost 10 grand over the years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was uh yeah, so this was the fifth campaign that I did. I you know, I wish I would my only regret is I wish I would have started doing it earlier, but I my mind was all over the place that I don't think I could have pulled it off or or put the 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 right amount of effort into it, but it just so happened that 5 years ago I decided to do it. I usually have a beard all year round. And then it was kind of a bit of a drastic, you know, change. And and it's in money aside, like I've, I've said in person to people. And then also when I do my fundraising campaigns, you know, through social media platforms, is that my favorite thing is that it starts conversations. So if it's somebody that I've known for a while, and they're like, Oh, my God, you know, I've never seen you in a mustache before. Why do you have that? Or what'd you do? It's just, that natural, hey, let me tell you why I do this. And then, you know, it used to be very focused on men's mental health, which, you know, I think there is more of a stigma when it comes to that gender with mental health, because there's tends to be less discussion about it. Um, But when I do posts about it, I I say it's everybody because I I don't want to not include or, you know, separate any gender or any anybody because we all deal with it. We just deal with it differently. Um, That's what I've really enjoyed about. And yeah, I've in just five years, I I've raised I think it was I was like 50 bucks away from from ten thousand dollars. So it it like I said, the money of it is awesome that's raised for it, but the conversation and kind of that ripple effect. Um, I usually you know my last post of the of the campaign after I announce how much was raised or when we hit our goal is that I usually, you know, share a bits of my story and what I what I dealt with or continue to deal with because I don't think you're ever truly, you know, cured from mental health no. or anxiety. You just learn to 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 not ignore it and and to to either vocalize how you feel or internally you're like this is why I'm feeling this way and let's let's figure out how to make it to that next step. I hadn't had any type of even through the pandemic. I had not really had anxiety or or, or bouts of depression. So there was like a stretch of three years, three and a half years, and then around this time last year out of nowhere it hit me and i think anybody that has dealt with depression before it's like i always say it's like putting on like a familiar wet blanket or or sweater and like it almost has like a smell to it you look at things differently and it's almost just like oh shit it's coming back and i remember i figured out at one point along the way i was like oh right like 
depression will never let me down. It will. It's always there yeah. for me if yeah. I want that, right? Like, yeah, uh, you know, well, the world's against me, but but depression, it yeah. does. It is like that sweater you can just put on, and it's oh, it's yep. always there for you. And, and so it's it is very, sort of like it, a, it's a even constant. if it's years apart, it's very familiar. It's it's like oh my gosh, I, it's almost like you're like I thought I had you beat, you know? Yeah. But there you are. <laughs> but it's like um, a sweater and a vice. Yeah, you know, at least for me, it's it's like crank, crank, crank. Oh, yeah, I feel that like pressure. Well, it's also, and I I don't know how it is with you. I mean, my wife and I have been together for um, about thirteen years now, and she sometimes knows before I do. And early in our relationship, she's a very intuitive person. She's younger than I am, but way more mature and, and intuitive than I am. And she can. We're very, we're very both cadence and routine people, and she can almost tell it before I am. I can, and like I said, I had gone through years, and everything was not sun, sunshine and rainbows. You know, we were going through a pandemic, but everything was good internally. We, you yeah. know, had our bearings about us. We had a plan of what we were going to do, and un- unfortunately, under those circumstances, I didn't want it to be under those circumstances. But that time, that time frame, we were in in shutdown was the most amount of time the four of us me and our me and my wife and our older two kids got to spend with each other and it was great like we did game nights every night but yeah i thought i had all this stuff kind of beat and then this time last year it it hit me again and i didn't for a while i did like kind of like my normal routine where i think i'm like everything's all right because i'm trying to convince myself but then i start falling out of like i call my dad every single day he knows if, if there's a, a period of time where he doesn't hear from me, something's up. And and my wife can just tell from me being quieter, me not being in my normal routine, me not having my normal energy. So I know it's something that's always going to be there, but each time gets easier. And each time you are like, okay, I can, with my support and the stuff that I've learned about myself, I can get myself out of this. But it can get dark really quickly. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable how your brain can be your best friend one day and then be, you know, whispering lies in your ear the next day. It was one of those things where I thought I had certain things beat or certain things were past me. And I stopped doing certain things that make me feel good and make me feel healthy. And it was a great reminder of like, Hey, you, this is, is, you don't have this beat. This is going to be work and, and you know how to do it. But I I feel like I'm one of the, you know, I don't want to say luck and I don't want to say blessed, but I feel very, what's the word I want to use? I feel, I feel very grateful that I have not had one of those times where I felt like I needed to drink. We all deal deal with it differently. I have friends and I have family members that have gone to, you know, paid money to get help and get treatment. Uh, and they, and then, you know, three weeks out of treatment, they, they slip back into a routine and they're drinking. I, I feel grateful that I don't really have that temptation. I'm kind of, like I said earlier in this conversation, an all or nothing person. So once I've turned that off, may it be, you know, something like I said, cigarettes or, or certain diets that I shouldn't be eating. Once I kind of like shut that off, it's, it's not a temptation anymore. I know I'm probably never going to drink again, 
but I can be around it. My wife still drinks when we have dinner some nights and there's alcohol in the house and that works for me, but that doesn't work for everybody else. That's why I think, especially when it comes to drinking or a combination of drinking and mental health, it's all it it's all catered to that individual and yeah. you have to find what works best for you. Yeah, we're a totally sober house because my fiance is in recovery. Yeah. And, you know, we it's interesting sort of threads that went on around Thanksgiving on my sober dad crew feed. And people are like, well, what do you because we hosted Thanksgiving? What are people going to do? Are they going to be bummed out? I'm like, I, I don't know, but they just know that's yeah. sober house. And we did like some fancy mocktails and it was fun yeah. and, and like nobody cared. And right. you know, we ate at two in the afternoon. So no one was worried about driving home. I remember some epic larger family blowouts as a kid with one of my uncles who would always drink too much and it would get ugly. Yeah. And, and that was really formative for me, I think, as yeah. like a person, but also as a dad, because as someone, you know, I'm a better dad, mentally healthy mm -hmm. and sober. The world is yeah. a better place when I don't. Yeah. And when yeah. I'm like taking care of my mental health and I'm, you know, as a parent, like patience is key. Yeah. And that was what, like, that's one of the signs for me. If I'm feeling like I'm not like balanced, it's like I'm real impatient. And so like, yeah. when I see that, I'm like, right, I got to like recenter. It's never yeah. about like a temptation to drink, but it is a, that notion of you have to be constantly vigilant. Cause for me, everything I do is about my family. Yeah. Work, work is about supporting my family and providing for my family. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really like my job and all that. And I work hard at it, but it really is about like doing the things to make sure my family is safe and like nurtured. Yeah. yeah I just, I mean, that, that is to kind of piggyback on that. That's, that's my main, I don't know if I want to say motivation, but I know I'm a better person. I'm a better father. I'm a better, better spouse. I'm safer when I'm not drinking. So that's, as elementary as you want to pull all the other fluff out of it, that's the bottom line. That's my motivation. But it, like I to to go back, it it's everybody's different. So I don't view you know somebody that takes the different path but gets there. More power to them. The thing that I love about it is that when it does come up in conversation, just like the fundraiser, it starts the conversation, and I am. I'm very aware of not to be like, I feel like I'm better than you right? because I'm not drinking. I'm mindful to be like, I feel better for me because I'm not drinking. Yeah. <laughs> as it, I mean, there's kind of a common thread and, and I know selfish can be viewed as a very negative thing, but it is a very selfish thing. It's like, uh, hey, I'm you do you. I, I want you to be safe, but this is why I don't drink. And I... The, the people that usually ask me about it, the first thing they say, and it's usually, you know, especially if it's in a bar setting or a work setting and people have been drinking. I always love that drunk conversation. We're like, yeah, I've been thinking about not drinking yeah. either. Yeah, I'm like, right, January. Well, keep on thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, is and I never thought I would be this person. I love being the DD now. I love it. I don't mind. I don't know if it's because I bartended for so long. As long as somebody doesn't get like belligerent, like that is, you know, annoying, yeah. but and it can still happen. But I don't mind being that 
babysitter or, or adult sitter and, and making sure, you know, people that I love get home, even if they've had, you know, three glasses of wine and in three hours, it's to, to not worry about who's going to drive home. Yeah. That, I love that feeling. I, and plus I usually get to control the radio. So. Well, yeah. Right. Driver gets to choose. <laughs> Well, my yeah. stepson, who's six. Like, hey, we're going to be listening to Steely Dan for the next yeah. 30 minutes. <laughs> my stepson says, he says, Steven's the safety guy. He says yeah. he's also the funny guy, but he's a yeah. safety guy. Yeah, which is sort of great. an interesting like, two... inroads to like building that, yeah. those relationships. And this is another thing. This is not like to do a commercial, but these are my favorite things. Seltzer waters have become my addiction. Yeah. <laughs> so Shout out to Wagmans. Yeah. Sponsor yeah, me, Wegmans. You're <laughs> yeah. welcome to. There you go. But yeah, it's funny coffee because, like, and seltzer is like my main fuel source. Yes. Yeah. And I'm waiting for like that research study to come out that like seltzer seltzer water like destroys the inner lining of your intestine. Or, yeah, or all your you know, teeth rot your teeth out or something. It. Yeah. But I, I think do it's love, just water with bubbles, so we're safe. Right. Yeah. I know. love the fact that because our older two, they would have been five and four when I quit drinking and it wasn't like I came in one day it was like hey kids I'm not going to be drinking anymore but they knew you know dad would have a beer after work dad would have a beer on the weekend dad would have beer when he was watching the game and they got to a point where they were aware they knew what beer was and then you know I quickly transitioned to a seltzer and for the longest time, they just thought that was a beer. And then, like, I remember, like, a couple, like, a year or so afterwards, they were like, Dad, is, you know, can I, what's that beer taste like? And I'm like, this, I don't drink beer. I haven't had beer in over a year. They started to realize, yeah, oh, that's not alcohol. That's, and, you know, it's not like they never got to, they never witnessed me doing anything bad or like you know that shocking moment of of you know you know dad falling down in the front yard or or at a get together and that's another thing you brought up like you know a family member i never had that growing up my dad went 20 years without drinking and that 20 year in that 20 year span i was born and then you know yeah. out of the house and never you know like at a family function on either side i mean my mom's side is all from she's from germany and so are her family members and I remember beer being around, but there was never like a, you know, a, a party or a get together or an incident where someone mm -hmm. got so hammered that they fell or they said something. So all of that, I think, impacts how we, you know, react to it and why we quit and, and how we react after we quit. I remember I remember when I first quit, I had told, you know, certain people in my life that I was going to. And not, not to say this in a bad way, but my dad was like, we got to get rid of all the alcohol when Noah comes over. I'm like, no, I want you to be the same. I like, there's yeah. not like, I'm in a journey internally here. There's not going to be like, oh, my dad's drinking a beer or there's a glass of wine over there. And that's going to make me, but there are people hundred percent. It's just different. And yeah, I mean, so, I have a like, family member who goes it, to two meetings a day. Yep. And yep. respect for doing that work. Yes, definitely. Not not better or like it's yeah. all we're all headed in the right direction. We're just in different terrains. That's the way I look at it. 
And I'm not saying, I mean, there could, I could turn around to 50 years old and something, you know, snap in my brain where I'm like, oh my God, I, I miss having a drink. But that, that has not yet to, you know, yet to happen or may never happen. I mean, I read a story and we were all talking about it last year because last New Year's Eve would have, was my 10 year anniversary of not smoking cigarettes. And in this research study that my friend provided for me, they said it takes 10 years for that addiction to leave your body. That's so like crazy. you can make it to like, you know, <laughs> nine years, 11 months and you could still be like, Oh my God, I have, and I I've come, that's the only thing I've ever quit in my life that I have come back to like temptation wise, you know, leaving a restaurant on a hot night after a big meal and I smell someone light up a cigarette. I could go back just like that. The night we moved all the, you know, our entire belongings from Ohio to New York, we stayed at my sister-in-law's house and she's outside, you know, we're around a fire pit and she's smoking a cigarette. I'm like, oh my God, I want one. She's like, just take one. And I said, if I smoke that cigarette, I will be buying a pack tomorrow. Yeah. And I would have smoked it the uh, that pack the entire way to Ithaca, New York. Know thyself. Hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yep. It's really what we're talking about. Is so like, yeah, it doesn't I can matter be around how you, alcohol yeah. and be totally fine, and actually feel more comfortable being around it because I didn't want to be that person, especially like in my work setting or family setting, where you know someone opened a beer and everyone like looked in my direction, like no. Yeah. Fuck that! I yeah. I, I'd be I'd peace out immediately. Right. <laughs> so, They're all putting them in paper bags so you won't yeah. see. Yeah, but I can't be around people on a smoke break because I would I would be right back in. Me and me and the owner of the store went down to Hudson Valley last Tuesday to pick up forty thousand records, and he he you know asked if it was okay if he smoked. I you know he was riding shotgun. And I just enjoyed being next to it. I mean, it, I, I felt like I was getting a little, the little bit I needed, but I, I, it wasn't enough to get me to, you know, smoke a cigarette. So, yeah, my dad used to, he quit and he would sit in smoking sections of the restaurant back when that was a thing <laughs> or on the plane. Remember, there's a smoking yeah. section on the plane. Oh, just, yeah. We were just clo- talking about They closed the curtain like yeah. that. Yeah. They like really that's like did something. Thing. Oh, no smoke well, it's up funny here. because I travel a lot for my other job and people still make fun of me because I, I, I will forever wear a mask on a plane, even after the pandemic. I don't know why I wasn't doing it to begin with. I would fly and I used to fly pre-pandemic sans mask. I would always get some sort of congestion. Yeah. And then when you just think about what you're doing, because I'm still that person. I mean, I fly all over the place in the United States yearly. And I'm that person that's like, oh, my God, we are in a tube flying right now. Like, I will never get over that fact. There's a a comedy bit by a comedian that is like, we lose sight of what we're actually doing. Like, people get pissed when Wi-Fi doesn't work in a plane. You did you ever think you would be able to like get on the internet while you were flying? And also be glad on the plane that that's the thing going wrong. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like in the scheme of what can happen on the plane, Wi-Fi down is probably pretty good. Movie not playing, pretty good. Right. Wings falling off, bad. Yeah. Engines, bad. But I just, you know, if there's one thing, you know, I learned quite a few during the the pandemic, but like, I will always wear a, a, a mask on a plane. Like you, if you actually sit back and think about what, how many people are breathing in there, what they're breathing, 
and doing more than just breathing. It's it's disgusting being in a, a flying petri dish. So. I mean, I'd probably wear a hazmat suit if it weren't like awkward on the plane. Just like <laughs> zip it up. Yeah. I'm good. Like I'm good. I'm good to go. Like I don't fly that much anymore. Yeah. I used to love it, but I don't really love it that much anymore. I like kind of being in I, control of the vehicle and. I love it unless I'm flying into New Jersey or Philadelphia. <laughs> well, in Ithaca, it was always trying to fly home from Philly was the problem. Yeah. Your stuff wouldn't make it and nor would yep. you. Yep, exactly. I mean, I rented a car in Philly once coming back from some work thing. Yep. And like, it's funny. Go you know, ahead. I, I called my boss. I was like, hotel or car rental? He's like, whatever yep. you want to do. I said, I'm renting a car and driving home. I think my son yep. was like two or something. And I just wanted to get home. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I told Jordan, every time I plan a trip for work, I'm like, remind me not to fly out of Ithaca. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, it's seven minutes up the road. I can just park my car. And then literally... You know, I don't even know if they have security there half the time. You're on the plane in like seven minutes from the time you park. And then everything always goes to shit on the way home. Like for some reason, wherever you're at, every flight back to Ithaca gets canceled or delayed. And so yeah, I was my fiance bored. was at a conference and was coming home trying to fly. And, and it was like five. I don't know. It was like bonkers delayed. It was. Yeah. They left it, it was supposed to leave at like 8 30 and they left at like 12 30 a.m. Yeah. It was like nuts. <laughs> yeah. And you just I like been, want it right. Yeah, you, you want to get home to your kids. Yes, for sure. But even that has not made me want to drink in an airport. So and that used to be one of my favorite places to drink at. Probably meet a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of business. And that's another thing is you you, you know, you there was that time, like I said, when I, before I went back on my first, you know, work related trip, you're like, is this going to prohibit or, or hurt my work, you know, because, oh, that's the person that doesn't drink. But it's funny, like this last year on the, the trade show or convention circuit is the first time I've seen, especially people like in my age range, not drink, age range, not drinking at these things. And it's funny because you meet so many people, you know, in all these different markets and you become friends on like Instagram and Facebook. And earlier this year, I had challenged myself to lose some weight because uh, I'll turn 40 in this coming June. And it was just like a personal goal I wanted to do. And I, I did a post because I had lost, you know, 20 pounds from my birthday to that current time. And I said that I made mention in the post that I hadn't drank for four and a half, five years. And within minutes, a guy that I had just met or re-met in, in a, at a trade show in Atlanta or Orlando reached out to me and he was like, man, I'm glad I'm not the only one that's not drinking at these things. And it just turned into a conversation. He told yeah. me why he quit drinking. And it was due, you know, partially to becoming a father himself, going down a path that he just didn't like. And two different stories, two different time frames, two different areas of our country, but the end result. And that's the thing that I think all of us need to be proud of is noticing an issue and not letting it consume you. And even though you can easily, I mean, we probably all have gone through this, even when you stop drinking, you think about that time 15 years ago, what you said at a party or what you, that the time you shouldn't have drove home or the times you shouldn't have drove home and they can haunt you, but 
you're on the other side of it. The conversations uh, are always the most important for me, making that impact, making that, you know, positive uh, impact and be like, hey, it's doable. But yeah, there's this, I never thought I'd see it, even though it is very alcohol friend, uh, friendly and heavy. There's a whole other generation kind of coming out. And I think people going through the pandemic, there's a lot of drinking, you know, statistics that said it went through the roof. But I think especially this past year, a lot of people are kind of just ringing it in. And I, I, I am not one of those people that I don't think people should drink at all. But it's definitely America's drug. It's it's promoted 100%. so heavily. It's just you know a money maker, and it, it can do a lot of damage if it's not if it's not used uh, appropriately. So yeah, the anti capitalist in me, you know, <laughs> comes yeah. through with big alcohol, and it's actually been an interesting thread out of a lot of these conversations is about the economics of yeah. like alcohol and big alcohol and like. Yeah, I don't know. You know, wine o'clock for moms and like, you know, right. Dads have a beer during the game. Like it's really like pushed on people. I remember downloading. I don't know if you were. I don't think it was around when you were still drinking. But there was a. I I mentioned earlier that I loved trying new beers. I love, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like parallel with vinyl, especially if you do like a blind purchase when you're like, oh, my God, I wonder what this am I discovering something new? Am I going to discover something that I'm going to be enjoying and intaking for months and weeks to come but there was a a app called untapped and i remember me and my buddies downloaded it when it came out and it was like you got to track the beers that you tried and it was like it it took on a whole different meaning and i remember just buying beers and trying them just to do it you know just to check it and like in all reality i just could have lied you know and been like oh yeah i tried this beer at this thing but it was like it, it, it like even enhanced it even more, you know, and I was, I mean, from some of the people I've heard, I was, I could go days without drinking. It wasn't, you know, one of those things where I could, you know, I had to have a drink every single day. But like I said, when I did drink, I made it count. I knew it was a problem when I'd start not telling the truth to my wife who, you know, we have a very transparent, we have not the most unique relationship. Uh, or most, uh, uh, you know, type A relationship, but we're always transparent with each other. And I would, I would say, oh, a meeting, you know, was lasting longer than it was. So I could have one drink at a bar on the way back into town from my office or be like, hey, I'm going to have one drink. And that one drink turned into four. And, you know, you'd come up with some sort of excuse. And then the other thing that I used to do that I knew, man, this is a fucking problem is that I would get in, into the house coming home from work and I would beeline it for the refrigerator and I would open up a beer so she couldn't smell the beer that I had previously. Right. Um, so those types of things, I'm yeah. just like, holy shit, like this is not me. And that, you know, that went on for way too long and didn't, you know, didn't catch on to it at first. But then, like I said earlier, my wife's a very uh, intuitive person. She caught on pretty quickly and, that's just, I mean, there's no other area of my life, even earlier in my life, because I'm famous for saying that me in my 30s wouldn't hang out with me in my 20s. But even stuff that I did later on, like, that's just not my style is to do something sneaky and very corny like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you're when you're doing those types of things and, and jeopardizing your safety aside, but jeopardizing your morality and the essence of who you are as a person 
for what to grab another beer it's just it's when you look back on it it's pretty pathetic (laughs) well i think that's an awesome an awesome place to stop and we've been chatting for a long time and super appreciate it yeah and um i'll let you know when it goes live and you will assuredly see me in the store (laughs) oh perfect (laughs) and not too long yeah remember that 25 dollar gift yeah uh, certificate waiting for you down there so Thanks for listening. For more information, for links to any music or books we talked about, or to buy some Sober Dad Crew merchandise, please visit SoberDadCrew.com.